Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright. I have... And I'm... Ho- oh, God, there you I did go. it again. Man, I did it you're again. stepping on my lines again. I was hoping you were going to stop, and I was going to go right in there. 55 and, and episodes. We have learned <laughs> nothing. Howard Tybal. I'm excited to be here. It's a beautiful day here in Massachusetts. Not one cloud in the sky. Well, that's rare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hey, not snowing. We <laughs> we have a very very special guest uh, uh, with us today. We have uh, Deborah Sunea Moore uh, from the Chautauqua Institution. Deborah is the associate director of programming. Welcome uh, to Navigating Change, Deborah. Thank you, Pete, and hello. We are so excited to have you here. But I, you know, I, I want to start out before we're, we we jump into the meat of our conversation. Uh, I wonder if you could give uh, our listeners a little bit of a background of what Chautauqua is. I know, it, you know, I'm I've been coming to Chautauqua for many years. I know Howard has been coming to Chautauqua for many years. Uh, but uh, many of our listeners may not have heard of this wonderful hidden gem uh, in New York. Can you give us a little bit of background? I, I can. I can tell you that I love it, but you probably want more background than that. So <laughs> I am looking out on on Bester Plaza right now, which is sort of the town square, the center of Chautauqua. And this institution was founded in 1874 on four pillars. And these pillars are arts, education, recreation, and religion. And the slice of pie that I'm most involved with is the arts part of that, the programming. And it's a place where people come to spend part of their summer or even their whole summer. It's a nine-week season from about the last week in June through July and most of August. And people can come here to celebrate all four of those pillars. And your day might consist of a lecture at 1045, a boating excursion on the lake, a little bit of tennis, another lecture at 2 o'clock. You might take a special studies course in robotics or opera or physics or cooking, and your evening might end in the amphitheater or at the Chautauqua Theater Company. And in the amphitheater, you might see anything from one of our resident arts companies, which would be opera or dance, the Chautauqua Symphony Orchestra or the theater. Or you might see some special show in the amphitheater evening entertainment that might be something more in the pop genre. So a lot of different things to experience here. And Peter, I'm sorry, Peter, I want to tell you, this is what I'm most excited about. Tell me. Is uh, that this summer is Bruce Hornsby and Pat Metheny will be there on the same night. And I am just, Deborah, so excited. This is, for Pam and I, this is... uh, this is a culmination of something we've been waiting for for years. So, Deborah, you could not have, in my view, articulated uh, Chautauqua any more clearly about what it is and just sort of the feel of this. Did um, I mention it was beautiful? And, and it's beautiful. <laughs> you know, and the, and the thing that I'll that I'll uh, you know turn it back to you then, Pete. The, you know, the conversation here that's powerful for me, especially for people that are in our listenership uh, for these podcasts, is that Chautauqua in its own way is going through a transformation. The same way the institutions that, in the work that I do, uh, are going through transformation. Uh, this idea of retaining tradition and what traditions we want to keep 
and moving to be innovative, to be re- continued relevant to the upcoming generation, and also to be financially uh, sustainable. And man, those are the central questions facing institutions like Chautauqua, institutions like higher education. I'm so glad you said that, Howard. That was exactly what I was, uh, you know, what was going to be my lead in. That there is, you know, when you when you look at Chautauqua, and I think Deborah, uh, you know, encapsulated it really beautifully. Um, it, it sounds like a, uh, a a bit of a hodgepodge of kind of um, intellectual and artistic wonderment. Uh, but you know what it really is it is a, an institution that is dedicated to uh, growth of its constituencies, whether through you know learning about the arts, through learning through these special studies classes, through uh, you know learning and growing through you know religion, through you know other intellectual pursuits, and is you know correct me if I'm wrong. Eighteen, oh, what was it? Seventy six. 74, I 74. believe. 1874, the Chautauqua Institution uh, planted itself uh, <laughs> in Chautauqua, New York. And, and that is a significant legacy. Uh, and, and just experiencing the, uh, the grounds of Chautauqua, you feel this legacy in the homes that are on the grounds there, the homes along the lake, the facilities uh, on the grounds. You feel that tradition. And here we are in an era of great transformation. How, as Howard so uh, aptly said, how do you, do you innovate uh, when much of your constituent audience uh, celebrates the tradition that you bring to their lives. You know, and here's my connection uh, back to that piece and back to Deborah, and that I've had the privilege of working with Deborah uh, in her role working with Marty Merkley in stepping back and asking some big questions about uh, what does the arts look like going forward? What does symphony look like uh, for Chautauqua going forward? And and we are we are deeply in a conversation right now with, and, and Deborah is living it. I mean, I'm I'm playing in many ways a a facilitative role uh, to help the group step back uh, because you guys are living it every day. You're so in the middle of it. It's almost it's hard to step back. Uh, So, Deborah, tell us a little bit about uh, the process that, you know, from your perspective that you see that and you can use the symphony as an example about, you know, what it means to move this forward and uh, from an innovation conversation uh, relative to the kind of traditions you're trying to preserve. What, what are you noticing is happening around that? Sure. Well, I will say that this whole issue of tradition and innovation is is really the thing that attracted me most to coming to Chautauqua. Because I think so many people look at Chautauqua and they look at the beauty of it, the traditions that are here in the lake and the land and the architecture, and so much about it to so many people says tradition. And yet Chautauqua's mission, what we're dedicated to, is to exploring the best in human values. And so you know that's not just going to be seated in tradition. And I think everyone here would agree that tradition is not something, when we say tradition, we're not talking about something that's oppressive or something that's restrictive, right? We're talking about tradition that is celebrated and that this tradition actually strengthens the place and we stand on those pillars of education and recreation and religion and arts. And when you take it to where we are today, um, 
using Howard's example of the symphony orchestra, the fact that we even have a full-time tenured symphony orchestra in the summer, we've said over and over again, that's a really bold choice. So many people look at the orchestra as a traditional or an older or even a dying institution, a dying breed. And for us at Chautauqua, we say, no, we're actually not just committing, but recommitting ourselves to a full-time tenured symphony orchestra because it's not just about something that was, it's about something that is, and in fact is thriving. So when we look at our orchestra, we're looking at, yes, we want to celebrate the the traditional repertoire, right? We we want the Beethoven, we want the Brahms, we want the Mozart, we want the Mahler, we want these incredible things to be celebrated and heard over and over. And yet we want to be a place of cultivating new music, new ideas, and new collaborations. Yeah. Um, you know, so I could give you two two quick examples. So we have the orchestra, but at Chautauqua, we want to be about discussion, about challenging discussion, about civil discussion, about collaboration. And two years ago, one of the things Chautauqua started committing itself to was this three-year plan for inner arts collaborations. So the orchestra collaborates with the Chautauqua Theater Company, the Dance Company, the Opera Company, the Voice Department, and this year even the Visual Arts to create what is a brand new work. Last year it was called the Romeo and Juliet Project. This year it's called Go West. It's about the American expansion. And that to me is something that can celebrate tradition and innovation in one huge project. Here we have these traditional classical Western art forms, and yet we're innovating and we're innovating together. You know, so what's, 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 what's great for me relative to you painting such a big picture is that isn't part of this challenge, and I think that this can be broadened to any kind of wonderful tradition we want to retain, is that when you get into the conversation, uh, why do we do it this way? Uh, very often the first response, if we're honest, is because that's how we've always done it. And isn't the, isn't the challenge associated with stepping into an innovation conversation is you've got to be willing to step back from that very sort of reactive, almost auto, automatic response we do it that way because it's always been that way. Uh, and I think what we're trying to do, Deborah, you're trying to do in these conversations with you and Marty and around the symphony and opera and, and other disciplines is to say, let's, let's have a better story than we're doing it because we've always done it that way. Let's, let's tell the story as if we're inventing this now and making the case for it. And that's, that's at the heart of what I think you're trying to do. That's hard work. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point because so often you think of innovation as, you know, introducing potential problems or potential solutions to things that have always worked or have always been. And when there's not a clear problem with what has always been or how we've always done it, there's not always the impetus to innovate. And yet at Chautauqua, and I think most institutions uh, you know, rooted in education, 
we're about exploring, right? We're about exploring. We're about inquiring. We're not about just sitting back. We're about looking forward. So I think with anyone, any organization in education, including Chautauqua, when we look at innovation, we're saying it's actually part of who we are to inquire and to say, what else, how else, what could, right? We want to ask those questions because for me at least in programming, that's what the arts are about. You know, we're about asking questions, posing questions, we're about challenging, and then we're about executing that in an artistically stunning way. But I also have to say when it comes to the arts, the thing that I appreciate so much about innovation about at Chautauqua is that we have to have the ability to fall on our faces and trip a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, so innovation's not safe. And, and, and to me, at the heart of what makes this a hard conversation is not that we can't come up with great ideas or figuring out new ideas. It's a matter of we have to, at the heart of this, take into account the individuals who have invested their lives and their time uh, in this place, and they have a deep connection to a way that it looks, the way that it feels, and, and getting them to feel connected with the change. That is my experience of where, uh, you know, this concept of change management is at the heart of what that is about. How do you get people to feel comfortable enough to go with you through this change? Because what what you're inventing are things that are unfamiliar to them. And and I think that's what you're also doing by involving enough groups. We had a conversation, I remember, with the hotel, and we brought in uh, a wide group of individuals to talk about this, you know, this, and again, when I say a hotel, we're talking about the, the, the Athenaeum. And, you know, if you ever looked at what the Athenaeum was, if you'd never been there, it's a remarkable institution mm-hmm. uh, on the grounds. And what it means to reinvent that institution. And there are people that for the last 50 years, they know what the Athenaeum is, and it means something very specific to them. Just like symphony means something very specific to certain people. If you're not a symphony traditionalist, you're probably going to be more more comfortable with your experimentation. There are some people that have a very uh, defined view of what it means to be in a symphony. And you're a symphony player, so I'm sure you can appreciate both sides of the coin there. I I live them. As you said, I live on both sides of the coin. Sometimes I run between them. But, you know, when you mention symphony, I keep thinking back to our first experiment last summer with the Inner Arts Project. Were you there for that, Howard, Romeo and Juliet? I was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so here you have something where our traditionalists, a lot of people that come for the season, came and you hear the Prokofiev, right? You hear these amazing pieces that are familiar to the traditionalist, uh, are uplifting probably to anyone that hears it. And yet the music was presented in a way that was a really new context. We've got Shakespeare's text over it. We have new choreography happening during it. Um, We have this collaboration which innovates on a traditional art form. And what I found most exciting was that 
everyone I talked to afterwards, everyone I heard interviewed, had something that really moved them. And I think in a new project like that, you know, you don't need everyone to love 100% of the work, but, but you want people to be moved. Um, and I think that was an example of a real success, which we hope to repeat, knowing that not everything we do can be a success, yeah. but knowing we want to cultivate that kind of community. You know, I wonder if I could jump in here. I've got a, I, I think you're getting to a question that's kind of lingering over my head listening to you both reflect. And I wonder if you could just address this big question for me, or it, it's sort of a two-parter. Uh, first of all, Chautauqua, like many of the, the client institutions we work with is cyclical. And Chautauqua is sort of an exaggerated mm. version of the cycle because the season is so short. You you really are. You spend a lot of time during the year to cram so much wonderful content into this nine week season, which is is really an amazing feat when you when you sort of step back. At the same time, when you're looking at this traditionalist um, kind of approach, there is an expectation, or I I I can say personally, there's an expectation that when one returns to Chautauqua, that you're returning to this sort of um, safe space, this space that you you know what to expect when you get there. Right. You That's know right. that you're going to return and and it, you know uh, maybe the ice cream shop is closed but a new one is opened you'll still be able to get your ice cream right i mean that's that you you know that there is this sort of experience you know what to expect uh, and and i wonder if part one uh, what where your challenge lies in meeting the expectations of this audience uh, that returns every year with this expectation of safety of being taken care of in lines of what they are pre presented. So that's part one. Part yeah. two is, uh, you know, how do you? I think this is related. How do you work in this this um, this sort of institutional muscle to say no for all of the new wonderful things that you're experimenting with in in lines of sort of innovating in the arts uh, specifically with all of these new yeses, these new projects you take on, you're saying no to something old that you don't have time to address uh, anymore because your your energies are put toward these new projects. And and with that, I think, comes, uh, uh, you know, in, in a sense, a an implicit agreement that you're going to break some of these old traditions just because you don't have the FTE to take care of it anymore. So so That's how right. do you reflect on, on those points? So, Deborah, you want to take a first pass at that, or? Well, sure. I'll take I'll take a first pass at number two because that's the one fresh on my mind, and um, well, anyone that knows me knows that I speak my mind. So I'm I'm going to beg to disagree just a little bit with you, Pete, in that I don't feel like when we innovate, I don't feel like we're saying no to something, and I don't feel like we're breaking tradition. Now, I know there'll be people that disagree with that, but for me, I really don't feel that the issue is tradition versus innovation. I don't feel that we are pushed to choose one over the other. Good. I feel that when we talk about tradition, that truly I see that as a foundation. I see that as a foundation, and Chautauqua is extremely blessed to have an extremely strong and long foundation, and this is why people have come over so many years. And yet, 
Now, even though we do have families that are still coming because of their own tradition, because of their multi-generational tradition, we find ourselves, like many arts organizations, like many educational institutions, needing to attract new families and new people in, right? We can't just rest on our laurels. So to me, part of that is inviting people into the richness of that older and long-standing tradition of Chautauqua. But to me, part of that tradition is that we are a place that celebrates lifelong learning. We have always been looking forward. The programs have always changed every year. We've always been bringing in speakers from all sides of an issue. We've always been bringing in, you know, the, the traditional cellist and pianist to the new pipa player or electric violinist, right? So I think people look at Chautauqua as standing still or not changing because they see what we call the grid, right? They see that there's always a lecture at 1045, there's always a lecture at two, and there's an always an evening performance at 8.15 and morning prayers happen at the same time, right? So this gets to your first question a little bit too about um, satisfying expectations, right? So we satisfy expectations by having things for people in these time slots where they expect them. And yet the innovation of it is always seeking out what that new thing, that new perspective is to bring in. So I, I guess that's the main thing I wanted to say is that I don't feel to innovate that you have to break tradition. I feel like you stand on it and move forward and create new traditions. I, you know, I'll tell you something. I think this is such an important insight that you just brought. Uh, because this idea of tradition versus innovation mm. versus the language of tradition and innovation, right? Yeah. And then you actually took it one step further to talk about that tradition as the foundation, and then we build off of that through innovating. And Chautauqua is always innovating. The, yes. the thing that I found really interesting in, in listening to you just describe that is, and actually, Pete, back to your question, was, you know, this expectation of what people are going to come and see. And I think it's a human nature thing. You know, I, I do this change workshop, and more the more I do this, the more I realize how quick we want to settle into this comfort zone of knowing where our place is, knowing what to expect. And the language you used, which I think was right on, which is we want to know what to expect when we show up. When in fact, one of the things that I think that our work is about is to build an expectation around this tagline, which is expect change. Mm. You know, versus know what to expect. What would it mean to have as part of the ethos that we bring when we show up somewhere that we would expect change and that we would invite change. Because I think that from a human perspective, our lack of ability uh, to not jump into that way of thinking, which is when the change comes, we embrace it versus when a change comes, we react to it like, I don't like it. I've discovered through my work is that the people who don't get stuck in uh, I don't like it or it's not familiar and it's a natural reaction but but the inability to move out of that place to say all right that was just a reaction 
let me now think about what it would mean to move that forward. I think that's the heart of what we want people, what I want to see people be able to do better, because I think when they do that, the pain of change is not as severe. We get through it more quickly. We move from denial to confusion. And I think, Deborah, at the heart of what you're talking about is what we're doing is we're challenging people. Chautauqua challenges people to both live in this place of tradition, but also to recognize that there's other ways of doing things. So this is a very instructive uh, mindset in any discipline that requires stepping back for whatever drivers. Some of the reasons we're doing these things, if we're honest, uh, is because there are financial drivers or there's other drivers that are pressing us to make change more quickly. And, and that becomes a harder sell. But I think we got to get behind that because there, there are multiple reasons why we have to do this. You know, not just change for change sake, but change sometimes for, you know, long-term sustainability. You know, you, you said something for me that was really um, quite weighty and quite important just now, which is that not just change for change's sake. But I think... Again, a place like Chautauqua, we actually, it's in our mission, right? Our mission says explore. Exactly. <laughs> and well, that's, not, that's a pretty yeah. huge thing. We're not just doing it to do it. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'll tell you something, Deborah. I, I've been working in higher education, and I'm going to use this, or education in general. I think of anybody who works in the institution, academic, administrative side, and I'm just going to bring it back to that for a second. If you look at what we give to students, in a sense, the customers, just like the people that show up at Chautauqua, they are so overwhelmingly living that tradition of exploration. But when you look under the covers of what it takes to deliver that, we as the having to own it and manage it and keep the trains running, we're not nearly as good at embracing that mindset of exploring. We're focused on getting our jobs done, in some ways living in our silos, and this is the inherent challenge for any association, for any organization that is trying to make changes, is that behind the scenes, we don't necessarily live up to the same standards we see the people we're delivering it to, and they they are doing it. We're in, in the front end. The students are getting the most amazing exploratory uh, experience uh, on these college and university campuses. Just like the people that show up for Chautauqua are getting the most amazing experience, and now. But behind the scenes, in the administrative departments, in HR, in in marketing, we get we get stuck in uh, this is how we're supposed to do it, and we don't explore in the same way. So to me, that's where we have to start looking: is living the mission that we're telling others. Uh. That's right, and I mean it's frightening <laughs> when you, you say when you say yeah. institutions and administration is you know hesitant or a little bit behind i mean even i mean just to share a very personal perspective from myself being a new person perhaps some might say you know a, a younger staff member coming in to join this team in a place that is so rich with tradition and change it can actually be 
quite frightening to come in and be a person that is naturally talking about ideas that would be seen as large change here. Um, that can be a real challenge because it's a huge responsibility. You talk about anyone in programming here, uh, myself and my my vice president, Marty Merkley, who's also my mentor and my friend. It's a huge responsibility because anytime you change something, you're also asking people to, to trust us. Oh, I love how you put that. I mean, in so many ways, you and, and the, the programming team are the custodians of so much of this legacy. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. a beautiful way to put it. Uh, you know, this is uh, this has been a, a terrific conversation, and I, I think uh, I, I have to say, Deborah, you've certainly given us lots to, to think about and, and chew on. And I I, um, uh, I I wonder if you could, if there's one thing, just as we as we wrap up here, uh, that you are looking forward to the very most of the uh, 2014 season, uh, kicking off this summer. Oh well, really. The whole incredible season, you already know that this is the first time I will be uh, in Chautauqua as as an insider, someone behind the scenes. So I would say generally the excitement is seeing all these programs we've been working on for nine months, um, giving giving birth to them and seeing them come to life. But the thing in particular that I'm probably most excited about is the next incarnation of this inner arts project. Um, the Go West. It was just yesterday that we had a technical director in the amphitheater who was trying out for the first time putting satellite stages out in the audience. Um, we're looking at pulley systems to hold up <laughs> soft cloth and projections that have never been done before in the amphitheater. Um, all this in an amphitheater that's uh, you know, been here forever, speaking of tradition, and yet we're up there drilling holes so that we can innovate. Um, I so I would say go it. west. Yeah, July 26. <laughs> that's that's the thing that has that, that holds a lot of excitement for me right now. Oh, I can't wait. That's fantastic. I know I tell people you, are going to be just going to be angry cuz their seats have been moved. I'm sure of that. That's right. Well, Pete, I'm going to tell you my my, my <laughs> mine's an obvious one, Pete. Yeah, tell me. Bruce, Bruce, oh. Bruce, Bruce. And Pat, Pat, Pat. <laughs> and Pat, Pat, Pat. Oh, my God. Pat goes way back for me, too. Oh, That's amazing. Goodness. I know. I I'm know. not going to be there those weeks. Right? So, I, you know. I know. I know. Come I know. on. You're killing me. All hey, right. Uh, Deborah Sunea Moore, uh, thank you so much for your time and wisdom and for, for bringing us this, this wonderful picture of such a beautiful place so close to our hearts. I think you described it and represented it perfectly. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Howard, uh, my good friend, how are we doing? Do we have any other uh, news for the people? I think we're good. I think we're fantastic. Think this we're was good. a great talk, and I'm, I'm looking forward to people listening and giving us their feedback on this. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Folks, you can find out more at Tybalink.com. You can subscribe to the show for free in the iTunes podcast directory. Just uh, just search for Navigating Change in the, uh, in the iTunes store. You'll find us. It's free. You subscribe. You never miss an episode. Uh, join the conversation. You can find Howard at Howard Tybal on Twitter. And, uh, you know, shoot me a comment or question if you'd like us to talk about something on the show at Pete Wright on Twitter. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So thank you so much, everybody. And until next week, we'll catch you on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. <laughs>